0: Uh, Today we're launching a new series called Discover the Hope. It, It grows out of our mission statement, which simply states that we exist as a church in order to lift up Jesus Christ as Savior for those who are lost, as Lord of the church, and as Reconciler for the entire world so that people can discover hope for their living. Well, we came up with that mission statement a long time ago, And it's been interesting to me over the years to watch how the need for hope has continued to grow in in the world and in the community around us. And the more stories I hear from people, the more I I understand how Jesus brings hope into our lives. And this, this series is based around the experiences that people in the first century had when they encountered Jesus. So over the next few weeks, we're going to, to look at those encounters and discover what happened when Jesus stepped into somebody's life, when he, when he encountered them and their life would never, ever be the same. And our prayer, our hope is that that would take place for you that you would, over these next few weeks, have an encounter with Jesus Christ, either here in worship or in your own private time. Uh, For those of you who are in our online community, either uh, during our online stream on Sundays or later in the week on demand. Our prayer is simply this, that you would discover who Jesus is, because Jesus already knows who you are, and he already knows exactly what you need in your life. And so this morning, we're going to launch into the series with a story that's included in all three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Those are the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John is a different kind of Gospel that tells the story in a different kind of way. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke all include this particular story. It's a story about what happens when, when Jesus and the disciples encounter tough situation. I don't know what your tough situation is or when in your life you've encountered one. For, for me, one of those situations occurred uh, when, my, when my sons were, were very small. Becky and I were married for seven years. They told us before we had children. They told us we couldn't have children. And so I did what any smart man would do. I canceled my maternity insurance. And as a result, six months later, the doctor said we were gonna have a baby. I, I, I don't know how it worked like that, but you canceled the insurance and now, so that oldest boy of mine's been costing me money since before he was born, all right? Uh, I had to pay the doctor, I had to pay the hospital, but on this particular day, Becky was on her way to sing at a, a funeral for a, a friend. I wasn't preaching the funeral. It was a member of our community. We'd been in Chattanooga for quite some time at that point, um, and our boys were were two and a half and six months old. Now what I had done is I had taken the afternoon off so she could go and sing at the funeral and I'll have to confess it was a blessing from Jesus that the Cubs and the Cardinals were playing baseball that day uh, on TV and so I'm watching a baseball game and I've got the six month old asleep and I've got the two and a half year old occupied, all right, and dad is having a great day. When the telephone rings and when the phone rings, the voice on the other end is a friend of mine from the city. His wife came to our church. He was one of the elected officials. He would come every once in a while, Easter, Christmas, that kind of thing. And um, he, he, when I answered the phone, he said, uh, Reverend, I, I just, because that's what they call you in Tennessee, it's either preacher or reverend, all right? And so like, Reverend, uh, I just want you to, to know that uh, uh, before I tell you anything else, your wife is fine. Like, okay, he goes, but she just totaled your car. I'm like, great. See, we just paid that car off. I'm like, so where is she? And you know, and, and he's like, well, you need to come. I'm like, I got two little kids. <laughs> She's got the good car cuz if you're a smart husband, you give your wife the good car. So she had the good car, I had the beater, all right? And so I'm driving the beater. Well, the beater won't hold the car the car seats for the boys. But the church van was in the Parsonage parking lot, and I had a key. So I'm like, and he said, but seriously, your car's, your car's pretty wasted, Pastor, but, but, but you got to know your, your wife's fine. So I'm like, okay. So I'm grabbing the car seats and getting the boys into I'm not even sure I really put shoes on the little one. I mean, we just threw them in there, get in the church van, and I'm driving, it's about two miles to where he's told me that she's wrecked the car that we just paid for. And so I'm driving, and then suddenly it dawns on me. I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor in that community for six or seven years at the time. And, and I knew EMTs, and I knew police officers. I played ball with a bunch of them in a summer league. And, and, and so it was like, you know, these are my friends. And, and then it, it hits me. As a pastor, how many times? Have I been in a situation, a crisis situation, where something's really not good? But when I've contacted the family in order to try to serve the family and not let them panic, I have said these words. They're okay. They're gonna be okay. Don't panic. And suddenly I hear, those are the words they just said to me. Now I'm driving, it's pouring down rain, and I'm, and I'm, I'm driving in a church van with two little kids who are now crying in the van, and i'm thinking to myself she's not okay she's she's hurt and they just don't want to tell me i mean she better not die she can't leave me with these two kids there's just there's no way that i can raise two little kids all by myself this is not going to happen and internally i'm panicking And then it gets worse because when I turn the corner to go on the windy road, because it is Tennessee and they have windy roads, I'm not sure there's a straight road in the state of Tennessee. And as we're going on the windy road, I look and it's pouring down rain and I'm driving the church van and ahead of me the road is blocked. There are police cars everywhere. There are lights flashing. There's an ambulance and there's a woman on on a gurney and she's covered in blood and they're picking her up. And I'm looking and I realize, that's my wife. And so I, I parked the van, fortunately, there, there, where it, the accident had happened, she was, there was a, a house there that one of our church members lived in and they were standing in the yard because that's what you do when an, when an accident happens in Tennessee in front of your house. You stand in the yard and look, okay? And so I'm like, oh, hey, Aline, I just want to let you know, um, can you watch the boys? Sure, Pastor, go. I said, that's Becky. Oh, my goodness. So it was all in the prayer chain immediately. And so I go run, and, and as I get to the ambulance, I'm yelling, hey, guys, guys, I need to, and the EMTs, I knew the EMTs and they're looking at me Reverend, you can't go. I said, guys, that's my wife. And they're like, oh, and so they, they don't close the doors. They let me come in just at the, I said, you can't ride with us. But, but I said, well, I gotta make sure she's okay. And, and she's covered in blood and she's got bandages over her eyes because she had a head wound and, and those things are, you know, they, they bleed like everything. And so I'm, I'm, I'm there and, and here's what my wife is saying. I mean, this is crisis moment, right? I'm thinking I, I'm about to lose my wife. I'm about to raise two kids from six months old up, you know, and, and a two-and-a-half-year-old, and I'm just like, no way, and, it's, and, and I'm all panicky inside. And here's the first thing I hear my wife saying. She's crying. My husband's gonna kill me. My husband's gonna kill me. We just paid for that car. My husband's gonna kill me. They all knew I was a pastor, and I'm thinking, oh, man, and then I felt really bad for all the thoughts I'd had because then I looked and realized it was, it was a gash, but she was going to be okay. But They wouldn't let me ride with her in the, in the thing. And, and, and it was a moment. It was a moment that I, I've never forgotten. The, the feeling, even as I tell you the story now, I, I have that same anxiety that I had driving on a windy road on a rainy day because what had happened was that, brand, that car we had just finished paying off it hydroplaned, and she had hit another car head on. And by all rights, she should have been dead. But God had protected the other driver and her. And all they walked away with were cuts and bruises, not even broken bones. And, and, and so I, I always remember that story and that day and that feeling. Because along the way in my life, there have been lots of other days and lots of other feelings some about my family, but some about people in the church, people who have gone through storms, people who have gone through hard times. I mean, I've, I've, I've had phone calls from parents whose children have leukemia and are basically being kept alive by machines. And they've asked me to come and say, hey, Pastor, we, just, we can't be here when the machines stop because they tell us our, our, our child's gonna die and we can't. We can't be here by ourselves. I've driven hours across state lines to sit with families while they've turned off those machines and I've watched nine and 10 year old children breathe their last breath. I've gotten the call about accidents and and, and gone at two o'clock in the morning with police officers from this city to visit with families whose children have overdosed and have been found dead. In all of those places, in all of those times, there's this sense of despair, there's this sense of anxiety, there's this sense that that things have not not been done well and and, and life is not good, and and every time, every time I remember the story, one that Matthew, Mark, and Luke told us. It's a story about Jesus and his disciples. Some of you know the story. Most of us don't understand the meaning of it. See, Jesus had been teaching all day long. And his human body, because you do remember, Jesus is 100% God and he's 100% human. And the 100% human body would get tired. He needed rest, just like you need rest. And on this particular day, after he'd been teaching and doing miracles and healing people, he turned to the disciples and he said, hey listen, you guys, I've, I've been, he actually had been teaching from a boat as crowds were so big. And he turned to the disciples and said, guys, this is your boat, but let's go. Let's get in the boat and let's just go across to the other side. Now where he was going across the sea was was a place where it wasn't Israel and it wasn't the Jewish people and it wasn't all the stuff that he, he was actually kind of getting away to a, to a place where, where there weren't as many people asking things of him because they didn't know him there. And so he at the end of a day he's tired, he's worn out, and he says, Hey to hey, let's let's go. Let's just, let's just go. And so they get in the boat with Jesus because he invited them into the boat. And as they're going in the middle of the night, a storm comes up. Now these guys, these guys know about storms, they're fishermen. Well, not all of them. I mean, Matthew's a tax collector, and there, others did other jobs. But, 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 they, but they knew about storms because Peter and James and John, that kind of inner circle, they, they were all fishermen. In fact, James and John had been raised in a fisherman's family. They owned the fishing business. So they'd been on this, this Sea of Galilee before many times, and they understood that storms came up on it. But that night... That night when the storm, it was like the worst storm they had ever seen, and, and they, they, they saw the wind pick up and make waves that were so large, they were filling the boat with water, and, and they couldn't figure it out, and they're doing everything they know how to do because they're fishermen. They've got skills. They're going to use those skills, and, and so as they're using those skills, they, they, they suddenly realize this is bigger than they are. This is something they, they can't handle, even though they think they can handle it. I want to stop right there for a minute and ask you to think, as, as Heather was talking, talking earlier about the story of Elijah and the prophet's widow, that there are those times when your, your jars are empty, those times when you feel like you've got nothing, those times when, when the storms are so big, and that's what's going on that night, and these guys are using all of their ability and all of their training and all of their energy and they're, and they're trying to, to, just to make it. When suddenly, they look around, and they see Jesus. Now, Jesus has never left the boat. The storm is coming and going, but he's never left the boat. I mean, Jesus had the ability. We know he could walk on water. They didn't know that at this time. They found out later. But he's right there. And, and here's the deal. He's in the boat and he's asleep. I mean, do you get the contrast? His human body needed rest. He's taking a trip with his disciples, and so he's asleep because he has complete confidence in his heavenly Father. He has no fear at all of the storm that's raging around him. He is asleep, and everybody that he loves, the disciples who are following him, they're panicking and they're trying to figure out what's going on and so they, they turn I love the way that Mark puts it he said they they turn and look at they look at Jesus and go don't you even care? Don't you even care? We're about to die. Do you even care? And I have this mental image, it's, it's, I can't prove it, it's not in the Greek text, it's, it's not anything in the culture, it's just, it's just this inclination I have about how good God is and about how strong Jesus is. Because honestly, I think when they woke him up, Jesus kinda looked at him, you know, when you first wake up, he never even knew the story, I think he kinda like yawned, <laughs> stretched a little bit, I mean, waves are coming over, people are bailing water out of the boat, Jesus is as calm, as calm can be, looks at them, looks at the wind, and you know the story, don't you? He rebukes the wind and the waves. The two things that have them panic, the two things that have them scared to death, the two things that have them so afraid that they're convinced they're gonna die. And he goes, peace be still. And immediately, not in a few minutes, immediately, the, the wind stops and the waves get smaller. And, and now Jesus turns and looks at those, those 12 guys and he says to them, hey look, where's your faith? Why are you so afraid? I I, I know it's a storm, but you guys are fishermen. You've seen storms before, and now I'm with you. Where is your faith? You said you had faith to follow me. See, it's in that moment, in that question, that suddenly we discover what it means to really follow Jesus. And and out of this story, there are some some life principles, some things that, that we've got to draw on in the 21st century because, quite honestly, some of us are in the middle of the storm. And we don't understand that Jesus is still in the boat and that Jesus is still right here with us. And so this morning, I I just wanna call your attention to two or three of these things that that you've got to know if your boat is capsizing. Some things you've got to understand if the wind is blowing hard against you. Some things that you've gotta understand if you're driving down the road thinking like I was that day in Chattanooga, she better not leave me here with two little kids. And here's the first one. When these guys got in the boat, Jesus invited them in. Because you see, when you accept Jesus' invitation to journey with him in life, it doesn't guarantee you won't have storms. It doesn't, it doesn't prevent you from having storms. To those of you who are not followers of Jesus, please hear me. Following Jesus is the best choice you're ever going to make. But for those of us who've been following Jesus for a while, you've got to know, we would not be telling you the truth if we told you that when you ask Jesus into your life, all your troubles go away. When you ask Jesus into your life and you're an addict, you still need rehab. When you ask Jesus into your life and your marriage is falling apart and you've had an affair, yeah, Jesus can can heal, but you still better stop seeing the person you've been seeing. I remember one time sitting with a lady who had been having an affair on her husband. She came and confessed it to me as her pastor. She said, But I don't want to lose my husband. I don't want to lose, I don't want to lose my children. This was just a temporary fling. But I, Pastor, I just, every time I see him, I just, I just, I just want to be with him. And I said, Good, don't see him. She said, but, 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 but he's so cute. I'm like, don't see him. She said, well, how do I break it off? I can't. If I talk to him, I'm going to sleep with him. I said, here's the deal. They have a thing called a a, a certified letter. You never even have to see him. I'll pay for the insurance on it. Here's 20 bucks. Go to the the post office. Write him a letter. Tell him it's done, and you're never going to see him again. She looked at me like I was crazy, and then... The Holy Spirit began to work in her life in that moment. I said, fine, if you want to lose your husband, lose your your kids, then go ahead and see him again. How did you meet him? Well, we're taking a class at the community college. I just kind of needed something to do. I said, drop the class. What? Drop the class. Write the letter. Now, I'm telling you that story with her permission, Because she did both of those things. She dropped the class. She wrote the letter. She never saw him again. And every time I see her, and I haven't seen her now in a decade or two, but over the years, every time I would see her, she would come up with her husband, hug me and whisper. She's the only woman my wife allows to whisper in my ear. Don't anybody else do that? And she would say, Thank you for making me write that letter. You saved my life. You saved my life. I was like, no, I didn't. Jesus did. You see, the the fact of the matter is, there are some people out there trying to tell you that once you accept Jesus, everything's going to be good. It's all going to go your way. You're going to be prosperous. You're going to make more money. That's, I'm going to give you a theological word bunk. It's not true. But here's what is true. When you accept Jesus' journey, when you accept his invitation to get in the boat with him, he can handle any storm that happens. He'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you. See, sometimes we we tend to think like, well, you know, these things just, no, listen, when you accept the invitation, it's Jesus' invitation. I mean, look at it again. One day, Jesus got into the boat with his disciples, and he said to them, let's go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out. Now stop right there. Leave the slide up, guys, but just stop right there for a minute. So do you see it? They got into trouble. They got into a storm because they were following Jesus. This thing that if you follow Jesus, everything's going to be wonderful, goes against what Jesus' life teaches us. They had accepted the invitation. Come follow me, get in the boat, let's go. It's your boat, but I'm in charge, let's go. And then the storm hit. And then when the storm hits, look. So they set out and as they sailed, Jesus fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake and they were filling with water and they were in danger. Listen, it really was filling with water. It really was dangerous. They really could drown. Some of you are in situations that you've got to know right now, you really are in trouble. The decisions you're making right now will shape your entire life. We can't gloss over that in the life of the church. There are decisions we make as followers of Jesus Christ that can cost us everything. Even our relationship with Jesus. Because Jesus will never leave you. But I've met a whole bunch of people who've left Jesus. Jesus. His love, his grace, his mercy, they'll reach all the way to where you are. You cannot outrun the love of God. You cannot get too far away from him. Neither death nor life nor anything else can separate you from the love of Christ Jesus. But can I tell you something? The only thing that can separate you from Jesus is you. By the choices you make in the storms that you encounter. But I have to tell you, there is absolutely no need to panic in the midst of the storms because Jesus is present with you no matter how bad things get. I have two brothers, my youngest brother. I called him yesterday to confirm this story because I wanted to make sure I had it right. And he said, yep, that's what happened. Uh, My youngest brother came here to Anderson University to play football and played for a couple of years. Um, And when he came up here, his high school team from Missouri, who had been runners-up for a state championship, there about four of those players came to play ball here, and when they all came together, my brother was a wide receiver, and his best friend was a quarterback, and uh, they'd played all through junior high and high school, and they came up here and and played ball together here, and when they when they were here, they went home on a spring break, and a bunch of their high school buddies were all playing ball in different colleges, got together, and they were playing ball and doing stuff, and and on spring break and. And, um, and, and when they were doing that, they decided, oh, well, we're all going to go out and get something to eat. And then they looked and realized they'd been playing ball all day long, and they stunk bad. And somebody said, you know, we ought to go home and clean up before we do that. So they all went to their homes to clean up. And if you've ever been in southern Illinois or, or southeast Missouri or western Kentucky, you know that, that storms can come up really quick down there. And this big storm came up. In fact, a big tornado came up. And my brother was, was recounting the story to me yesterday as I checked with him. to say, yeah, I'm on my way home. He said, lightning hit next to my car. He said, I guarantee it was next to my car because I saw peep flashes coming up. <laughs> he said, and the hail is coming down. And so I get to our house, and I'm just thinking I'm just going to clean up, and then we're going to go over to Brad's house, and, and we're all going to hang out there. And, and he said, but then I get home, and the sirens start going off for the tornado warnings. And, and the house my parents lived in didn't have a basement. Like, so we'd always been taught that there's no basement, you go to an inner room, you, you find the bathtub or somewhere like. So he got a mattress off the bed, went in, got in the bathtub, and he's hunkered down in the bathtub waiting for the tornado to blow the house away. When about two minutes after he gets in, he suddenly feels the whole thing shaking. The bathtub is shaking, And in his mind, the whole house is shaking. He said, "But then it kept shaking and kept shaking and kept shaking. And I thought, that's not a tornado. They don't shake that long. I said, so I peeled back and peeked out from behind the mattress and realized that the, 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 the air conditioner air handler in that house was next to the bathtub. And when the air conditioner kicked on, it shook the bathtub and parts of the house. But he was convinced that he was about to die. He said, I'd already made my peace with Jesus. I was laying in the bathtub saying, Jesus, come get me, I'm gonna die. You know? I said, so I sheepishly got out of the bathtub and I called my friend Brad and said, say, hey, um, we're all coming to your house, right? He goes, not anymore. Why not? Well, the tornado just blew half my house away. And that, that room where we were gonna have the party is gone. And I and I tell you that this morning because here's here's what I want you to understand. I want you to understand that my brother really didn't have any panic. But Brad really did. Because it really was real in his world. And and there are some times in your life where where you you, you encounter some things and, and you're like these disciples. You know, what I mean, but but can I tell you something? No matter if you're Brad or if you're my brother, Jesus is right with you. Whether your fear is real or just your fear. See, the disciples, did you hear it when I told you? They went, they, they, they began to panic. I mean, look, look at the way Luke tells it to us. They went and woke Jesus saying, Master, Master, we're perishing. Remember, there really is water in the boat. They're bailing the water out. The wind really is driving them places they don't want the boat to go. These are experienced fishermen, and they've now reached the end of their rope, and they're coming to Jesus, and Jesus is asleep but he's still with them. Now there's some of you who think Jesus is asleep in your life. Some of you listening to me online, some of you in our on-demand community later this week, some of you here on campus, you you actually believe that that Jesus has left you, he's abandoned you. If if he was with you, nothing this bad would be happening to you. Listen to me, it could still happen, but he is still with you. you. You've still got something you've still got an opportunity to have a relationship with him. Discover the hope of Jesus in the midst of your storm. Don't buy the lie that people who follow Jesus never have hard times. Because I'm telling you, some of the most devout followers of Jesus I've ever met have faced some of the hardest things I could ever imagine. But what I know is, Jesus was still in the boat with them. And he's still in the boat with you. And there's no need for you to panic. Because here's why. When Jesus sees your panic, he sees past your panic to his power. Because Jesus has power over every aspect, over all the aspects of the storms in your life. So when he got up from a nap in the middle of the storm, Because these guys are panicked and they're saying, we can't do it, we're at the end of our rope. See, Jesus is never unresponsive. He's never unresponsive. If you're willing to say to him, hey, master, look, I'm at the end of my rope. I can't handle this anymore. Nothing, I can't do it. If you're willing to say to him, hey, I need you, he is always willing to get up, look at you, look at your storm, and then, do exactly what he did that night on the Sea of Galilee. Every one of the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, all the synoptic gospels, they say it this way. Jesus rebuked the wind and the waves. He he looked at them and rebuked. And and immediately there was calm. Now, why would would Jesus do this? Because Jesus created it all. See, there's nothing that can happen to you that surprises God. I've told you this for several years. The pandemic did not surprise God. Even all the myriad of reactions that people had to it did not surprise God because he already knew their hearts anyway. The fear you have, it doesn't surprise Jesus. He knows your heart anyway. The hurts, the wounds. Yes, I know the losses are deep. I know that there are times when you when you wonder if you're ever gonna be the same again. But what you've gotta know is that Jesus is with you and he has the power to calm your storm right now. Because there is nothing that exists, no one that exists that he doesn't know, love, And have power over. Satan can't steal what belongs to God. People can give away what belongs to God. But Jesus, when he died on the cross, when when he suffered and died for your salvation, and he went that night buried, Peter tells us, that he took the very keys of hell away. See, the the Easter story is not just that Jesus died so you could be saved. No, Jesus died so the whole world could be saved. He conquered sin, yours, mine, the whole world, death, the fear of death for all of us, and hell itself. He he is victorious. And the, the enemy can't take what doesn't belong to him? And you belong to God. You belong to Jesus. The question is, are you in the boat trying with all your might and all of your ability to make it through your storm while Jesus is, is there with you and you're not calling on him? Or are you turning around to him and saying, Master, I, I, I can't do this. This is beyond me. I need your help. Because you see, if you're there, he will immediately, immediately bring peace in the midst of the storm. Because Jesus, Jesus brings an eternal perspective to our earthly storms. See, um, Well, look at the way he says it. He said to them, where's your faith? (laughs) And they were now afraid again. And they marveled, saying to one another, who then is this that he commands even winds and water? And they obey him. On that day in Chattanooga, Tennessee, when I thought I was about to become a widower in my 30s with two little kids, And fear had taken over my heart. And I ran down to an ambulance, ignoring the amazing reality that my wife had a major accident right in front of one of our church members' house, so someone was there to watch my boys. And I would never be alone to raise my boys, because the body of Christ would help me. When I I didn't understand how amazing it was that every police officer who was on the scene was someone who could call me by first name, and I could call them by first name. When I didn't realize the miraculous thing that the EMTs on the ambulance were people who, who would play ball with me at, down at the local ball fields and, and come to worship with us. When, when, I, when, I'm, when I'm hearing Becky and she's, she's crying and going, my husband's going to kill me. When I'm getting back out of the thing, see, I didn't realize God already had it under control. I didn't find out till a few hours later when we are... Now at the hospital, she's out of ER, she's in a room. They've cleaned her up. And she turns and looks at me and says, did you ride over here with me in the ambulance? I said, no, I didn't. I called the names of the EMTs and said, they, they rode with you. She goes, that's all that was in that ambulance with me? I said, well, yeah, Why? She goes, well, I know those guys, and I know their voice, and I know your voice, and even though they had my eyes all bandaged up and my head wrapped up, I could still hear. And somewhere between the time the door closed, I said, well, that's when they kicked me out. I, it wasn't me. I didn't know what had happened, but I knew it wasn't me. You know. She said, somebody, somebody took my hand, and they whispered in my ear, God takes care of his children. And I don't know where you are in your belief system. And I don't know where you are in your panic, stress level right now in your storm. But for us, we began that day understanding something we've seen worked out in our life and in the lives of hundreds, and I would even tell you thousands of other people, that no matter how big your storm, Jesus is always in the boat with you, and he loves you, and he will never, ever leave you. So this morning, if you're on campus with us, I'm going to ask you, would you stand with me? And, and, and we're, gonna, we're just going to close this morning with an invitation to recognize that Jesus is in the boat with you. And if you're at the place where you just need to pray, to thank him for being in the boat with you, or if you're in the place where the storm is getting bigger and you're wondering if you're gonna make it, it really doesn't matter which end of the continuum you're on, he is still with you. And over these next few minutes, I'm just gonna invite you, whether you're in the balcony or on the main floor, or even those of you who are online with us, to listen to God's spirit to honor Jesus Christ and to be hungry for his presence in your life. Because when Jesus turned to them and said, hey, you know, where's your faith? <laughs> they looked at each other and were like, "Well, wait a minute. Who is this guy <laughs> that even the wind and the waves obey him? They said that because they had just seen Jesus do something for them to save their life. So this morning, that same Jesus that was in that boat He's here with you. And whatever you need from him, this is your time. As we worship, these altars are open as a place for you to pray for yourself or somebody else. Whatever you need, Jesus is here. Let's worship him together. Jesus, today, we are so grateful that you invited the disciples into a boat and you invited us into a journey. And that no matter how big the waves are, no matter how furious the winds are, that you never leave us, that you never forsake us, forgive us for the times when we decide we can handle that storm ourselves instead of trusting you thank you for your patience for your grace for your mercy for what your scriptures call your long suffering with us your faithfulness to your people even even jesus when when we're unfaithful to you you are so faithful to love us and restore us and renew us. And so right now, Jesus, I ask you, I ask you to begin a process of healing our hearts, begin a a process of restoring our souls for those who need a physical touch, for those who need a touch in their marriage, for those whose hearts are broken, for those who are just so confused and the pain is so overwhelming. I pray that your presence in their life would demonstrate your power over anything that would separate us from you. Call us, call us with your heart to your heart. Lord, it's in the strong name of Jesus Christ that we pray.